So what uh, I thought we might do this morning will be mix and match a bit. We spent some time on from Wednesday night to Friday night um, attending a conference with Graham Cook up in uh, Courtney and quite a lot was said there and we'll be I probably filtering that over the next six months I would imagine but I thought it would be maybe helpful if uh, well, I wanted to provide the opportunity anyway because there are about 15 or 20 of us who went uh, to, to know whether there were any who would like to uh, share a reflection about uh, what they heard or what they sensed God saying um, so I thought I'd open that up at the beginning of this time and if there's nobody I'll just I'll just give you a long sermon um, so the incentive is the more you talk well I don't know whether the less I'll talk but I'll try um, but if there's somebody who wants to, to come and share a bit just two minutes I'm not asking for a long spiel but something that you came away from that maybe uh, we could say that's what I heard God saying or one of the things alright so uh, if there's anybody you can great was um, just reminding us again where I think it's Paul who says that God is changing us from glory to glory and, and uh, just helping us to grow to become more and more in God's image in this and, and what he said was even though um, it's true well it is true that God is changing us from glory to glory therefore all change is glorious and I thought that was just a brilliant thought because um, you know sometimes change doesn't always feel glorious it feels like an inconvenience or uh, an imposition, but that God is doing something through that change that is glorious. And, um, and he also talked a fair bit about uh, some things for himself, some personal values and, and the values of his church. And these were values, I won't go into all of them, but they were, each of them was a relational in emphasis. And I thought it was brilliant in that, in that um, as we go through this change from glory to glory that doesn't always feel glorious, there's a, a bedrock of values that helps us to work that process, that change out. And, um, and I think that's, that's a, an important and an encouraging word for us, uh, just as John said earlier, that we are in a place of change. We are on the Jericho Road. And, um, and that, these, that change is going to be glorious, uh, however it might feel at the moment. Thank you. It's seeing change as transformation from, from sort of where I am now to somewhere a little better. Anybody else? Poor Spencer. <laughs> Spencer is my youngest crew member. He's in for a treat. <laughs> I think for me up there... God has told me how relationships is important. He has a relationship with us that is pure. And he's just saying, look out and look at the people that I've given you to have that same relationship with. And as I went into this conference, I looked at everyone that was there. And we were blessed. Because it's always been a great time at the beginning then there was a rocky road 
but we're back to where we're supposed to be. So I just see, as, as Graham was saying, you know, like all these prophecies that have been said over us, they're just starting to come true because God had to deal with a lot of stuff in me. But it's not just going to Courtney, I want to say here, that things are happening. Because you're going to hear all these things said. But the prophecies said, he says, take all your prophecies, write them down, and go over them, go over them, because they're going to come true. And I've got a lot of prophecies. And I've gotten a lot on tape. That's two that stands in my mind. One was our last meeting. It was our budget meeting. And through tears, God's going to bless us. At the end of the year, we're going to be blown away. That was said then to what was said up there. This is the year. The other one was for me. I'm going to share why. I'm 61 years old. And like most people, I'm saying, when, Lord, is all this going to come true? Wayne didn't know that's on my mind. But fear and tribulation, I think, he said, Fred, don't take this wrong. And a little snickering, some tears from Wayne. As I see your face, and it's on a big fat balloon. <laughs> and I'm going, oh Lord. <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, it's on a big fat balloon. But on Courtney, what came out for me was, this is the year the big fat balloon is going to come out to the mouth. And it was so profound. It's releasing because it started and was said here. I didn't have to go up there. It was confirmed up there. Mm-hmm. But God's just saying, I've said so many things in your fellowship, your, my church. I want you people to take hold and, and, and it's not a conference up there. I'm doing it here. Okay. Anybody else? There's no pressure on this. We'll have this over a few weeks maybe. I think quite a few of us for the last few months have been feeling like we were just on the verge of something, but we didn't know what it was. And going up there, Courtney, I just suddenly felt really pumped up. Like, wow, something, that something is now happening. And <clears throat> Graham proclaimed God's favor over us as individuals, over our marriages, over our homes. Um, I think over us as a church family, over Port Alberni. And I guess we sort of knew that before, but this was just a real, I don't know, it really hit me very powerfully. And so, even though I was pretty tired, when I came home yesterday, I was still really pumped. And I walked in the door, and John was having a meeting with some of the people from his paddling group, and I don't know them. Um, I don't know who's Christians, if any are Christians, but anyways, I was roaring to go. So, 
So I just stayed in the bedroom for a while praying for them and, and started reading one of Graham Cook's books. But then I just had to go. So I took the dog with me because he bounces all over the place. So I had the dog under one arm and I'm out in the kitchen trying to make a second pot of coffee with the other one. And this lady comes out and says, well, I don't think I need to stay for the rest of the meeting. They're talking about stuff that's not important to me. But then she said um, that she hoped to go paddling today, but one of her shoulders was really bothering her. So I'm pumped. So I said, well, would you like me to pray for you? So she sort of looks startled. <laughs> yeah. So here I am in my kitchen, dog under one arm, the other arm on her shoulder, and I'm praying for healing for her shoulder. <laughs> Ooh, this is weird, but this is part of God pumping me up, I think. So... Anyway, she says she's going to phone back today and tell me what happened, but it was just so cool. Well done. Well done. Great. So you better find a dog. Here comes Brad. Oh, I keep giving the wrong thing. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that Grim Cook talked about was our, our identity. Uh, he called it the persona. And what he was saying was that when, when God says that we're one thing, then, then that's who we are. That's our identity. And um, how, how God sees us is who we really are. And so for this kind of example that, that immediately came to me was the, you know, we, we come to Jesus, we ask him to forgive our sins, and yet we still call ourselves a sinner. You know, I'm just a sinner, a lowly sinner and all that. But, you know, Jesus said that we're righteous, and that means we're righteous. That sinner part of us has died, that's done, and we don't live in that anymore. And we don't have to have that identity on ourselves anymore that's gone. You know, it's done with. And, you know, I mean, I, this is stuff you kind of kind of know a little bit, but it just, it really came to me really strongly to, to hear what my identity is, to hear what God is saying about me, what, who Jesus says I am, and to live like that, you know? To stop living like I feel. Because how I feel is, is, is not from God. And if God is saying one thing and I'm feeling something else, I'm pretty sure God is right. And, and I want to take that and say that this is true. This is real truth. That other stuff, that's from Satan, that's gone. I don't want to live in that anymore. And so if, you know, if God says I'm a prophet, I want to act like a prophet. I want to speak prophecy. If God says that, that I'm an evangelist, even if I don't feel like an evangelist, I want to go there and tell people about Jesus because that's who I really am. And part of this for me, you know, kind of a practical application is to take advantage of times for people to speak words over me. You know, and so we have we have Janicini coming uh, in a couple weeks, and we're, you know we often have people at the back praying, and um, you know I want to I want to take advantage of those times to hear what Jesus is saying about me, hear who Jesus says I am, and hear it over and over and over because I need a lot of reminders, you know, and I slip back into my own feelings and my own sense of of, of identity that that. That's not me anymore. You know, I slip back into that. So I need to keep being reminded by Jesus, oh, this is who you are, this is who you are. And so I want to start coming more and more to, to let people lay hands on me and just speak over me and, and to really take that in and to believe it and just act like it, you know? So. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Two more? Three more? Okay, you three. And one of you, please. You can end up, Carol. Well, thank you. It's cool. We'll have some more time next week. It was really hard to get out of bed this morning. It was so comfortable. 
my quilt is better than sleeping on the floor in the motel room up at Courtney. It was so warm and just my sheets, everything just enveloped me and it, it felt so perfect. But I did, I got up. But in Courtney, I felt that the whole conference was kind of like soaking prayer for me. I just felt every moment was just right from, right from heaven. And maybe because I've been far away from heaven, seems for a long time, and, and just, just the presence of, of God, so powerful. And, and just hearing those words of encouragement where he talked about love and I was supposed to say something. What was I going to say? He talked about love and just how how God's like what Brad was saying. How God sees us. Mm-hmm. He sees us through absolutely glasses that are love. He can't see us any other way. But we see ourselves. We look in the mirror and and we see things that aren't aren't there. Things that make us feel crummy and ugly and, and unworthy. Mm-hmm. And the Lord showed me two pictures. The first frame was a beach. And on that beach was this thing. I thought it was a whale. I thought, oh, there's a beached whale. Great. And you know when you're at the beach and it's really dark, dirty sand where it starts to drain in, it kind of goes dark, and it's kind of yucky looking. You don't really want to walk there. You move away. Well, the Lord showed me this whale that was beached on that sand, and it was huge. And it was covered in sand, dirty, yucky sand that was kind of crusty. And then I looked a little closer because it was really big, and it was just a big, fat, blubbery thing. And I thought, that what is it? It's not a whale. No, it's a walrus. And then, no, it's a seal. And the poor little flipper, little tiny flipper just went. That was all the life that was in this thing, whatever it was. And then the skies were dark and the water looked, well, you know, those just black, gloomy West Coast days. And the next frame was... The sand was, you know, when the water comes in and then it goes out and the water is just kind of like glass for a moment. It's smooth and shiny. And then it goes out. What I saw was this thing was rolling toward the water. And I thought, well, that's weird. What is it? And I thought, oh, it's a, it's a porpoise. No, it's a dolphin. No, it's a porpoise. And the, the sands were nice and light. The water was far out. But this thing was rolling toward it. It was white. And you know how porpoises, when they come out, you see that shiny white on them? It was really beautiful. And the sky was still not sunny, but it was light. And I thought, wow. And then it came to me. The Lord had shown my useless life was just a big fat blob of blubber and that I was no use to anyone because I had insulated myself so well and so thoroughly that really, I don't know if I'm a porpoise or what I am, but, but he was, as that thing rolled, all the stuff fell off and he showed me there and I, and I stopped and I said, oh, that's not me, that's just, 
and all of a sudden the sand started coming again and I said okay <laughs> stop <laughs> I just opened my heart my mind to you one more time Lord just keep on going and he's been working for this wasn't just a one shot thing he has been working in my life to to bring me to restore me and he talked about um, our persona and how he sees us through different eyes than we see ourselves and this morning when we were sitting there and we were singing and, and all of a sudden it was just on the horizon you could just see a little bubble and that was the sun coming up and so I think maybe it, for, it was for the church but for me it was an amazing personal thing because I went home not on top of the mountain but full as if I had had a nice Christmas turkey dinner and felt comfortable and at peace and maybe that was the first time in a long time and I must say I had four most incredible roommates it was just we were quite a lot and they were in some ways taught me just care we have to care for one another love one another be patient with one another and be kind to one another and encourage one another and through that I believe God's mm -hmm. I don't know God works in us all that way mm -hmm. that'd be cool thank you very much thank you that is very cool it's amazing if we give God opportunities and we just place ourselves in places what he will do Hi. So, um, there's so much to share, Just but two I know. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. No. Um, so, believe me. One of the words that was spoken over uh, the island, not just the people there, but the island, was that uh, Graham Cook broke a spirit of passivity. And when I, when I heard it, it made sense. And then it just started rippling into my life. Like, what would my life be if I weren't passive? What would my marriage be if I weren't passive? And then, what would my marriage be if both of us weren't passive? Or what would, our, what would my family be like? What would this church be like? I'm dragging Jamie down. Is that no, 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 okay. carry on. I'm just, uh, I'm just giving him a knowing look. <laughs> we'll clean it up later. Um, I just got so excited. And, like... I cannot even tell you how it's keeping me up at night. It's getting me up in the morning. It got me up at 5.30 in the morning to read because I have a daughter and I don't get to read. It's so exciting. And the thought of what could happen to this church without passivity. And it was in such a joyful way that it was put on my heart. Like there was no con condemnation. It was, it was an invitation. So I'm just pumped. I'm That's pumped cool. for this church. And I'll, I'll cut it there. Yeah, we'll, next week. Come back for more. Next week. Thank you very much. That's very cool. Well, I don't know if, you know if I have to talk after that one, but I, uh, I thought I knew God, and I am just so overwhelmed by who He is now. Like, I'm just so overwhelmed that He is so good. He is so good that He would pour Himself out on us in this way. And you'll understand when you read this word over this island, but I just want to speak to a few dreams that we had prior to this weekend and and one of 
One is that uh, I've turned in a tap on and I just could not shut it off. It just kept pouring and pouring and it was running all over the kitchen and I was yelling for help because I could not turn the water off. And it just it's just about abundance. And Tish had a picture of, of a grain silo where it's just pouring out the grain, just pouring, 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 and you just can't stop it. And um, just something I thought about, though, is that, is that you have to take hold of it. Mm-hmm. And I plan on listening to that prophetic word every week for the next year. Honestly, I just I want it to be who I am. I want it. I want to believe it, and I want to move into it. And and I just encourage you to open your heart up to it, and just to say, this is our God. He is this good. Thank you. I'm aware that you know there's some things that won't really be clear because of not being present, but um. Why don't you stand up for a minute and stretch and then I'm going to spend maybe 15 minutes just finishing off. I want to read from Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 from verse 36. It's quite a well-known encounter with Jesus having supper at the Simon's house, the Pharisee. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood before him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose, the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I've chosen that reading before we went on this weekend. And I've chosen four words, or I had three words that I wanted to speak about. They were God's desire for the church, and they were power, passion, and presence. That God desires power in His church, His presence in His church, and His passion to be among His people. And I added to that purpose. 
And as we've been talking about moving from slavery, from Egypt into the promised land, that whole movement from slavery through transition into the promised land, what came out this weekend certainly was uh, coming out of slavery into a place where we begin to lose that mentality of slavery that Diana and others were talking about where I think of myself and I totally define myself and what has happened to me in my life from birth until now or from previous generations and what God speaks about when he says I'm calling you to something much better than that that is your truth Brad was talking about that as well and that God is wanting to make us into a church of warriors of army, an army that, and an army needs people who no longer are afraid to be slaves, who know their, their identity. And one thing I brought back, which uh, Graham Cook had said, which really struck me, was that we tend to, to, to settle for the crumbs under God's table, rather than be part of the feast. And if you look at yourself, I mean, I'm sure it's easy to connect to. Most of us live in, in, in negativity and struggle and survival. And he, he, you know, he spoke about saying, you know, the people in Egypt when they were slaves, what do you think their hope was, their prayer was, their dream was, and their dream probably was for survival. And he illustrated that by, you know, if I'm a slave for 400 years and I've never seen freedom and everybody I know has always been a slave from, for as long as memory goes back, my conclusion is I'm always going to be a slave. And so my dream is that we will survive and that there be, might, might be food on the table or that we won't be beaten tomorrow. My dream is that we survive the next day. And when God speaks to Moses and he comes in to set those people free and they sing that psalm that comes later on uh, out of Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the captive to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. I mean, how deep does that go? People who had never, ever known freedom. were set free by the power of God and he spent 40 years trying to persuade them that was true and that he could be trusted. Within a few months he had taken them from slavery to the promised land. He said, my dream for you are houses that you own and places of safety where you never have to fight and the opportunity to grow your fruit and vegetables and have families. That's my dream for you today. And they said, no, the giants are in, they're too big for us, we're like grasshoppers. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And I think a lot of us are like that. I think a lot of us are caught in the wilderness when God is saying, this is my dream and it's much bigger than yours. And I have an identity and a hope for you that is much, much bigger. But the spirit of passivity that is definitely here is the one of saying, we want God to bring the promised land into Egypt. And he's not going to do that. And so his cry of his heart to all of us is, I want you to walk, I want you to move, I want you to step into what I have given you. I will not do it for you. I will open up the way, but you have to walk.
And I love the phrase uh, that Brad also alluded to that was, you know, we, we, we live trying to be dead to sin and, and Graham Cook kind of said, wouldn't it be more fun to be alive to God? Wouldn't it be more fun to live going to the promised land than talking about what it was like in slavery? Our whole world is filled with negativity and brokenness and hopelessness and despair. And so is most of the church. And God is saying so clearly, I want my church to rise up and enter into the life and the joy and the truth of who I am. So where do I find presence, power, passion and purpose? If I had an overhead, we would have put an equal sign next to it and then put hope next to it. I could do, I suppose, a long teaching on that where you find presence, power, hope and purpose, I mean passion and purpose, but I think we find it in Simon's house. There's a woman who's had a rough life and probably shut down if she was living in a culture like ours, she's probably been abused. And she's probably ended up selling her body for money from a very young age, probably a shocking age. And she's been treated like dirt or something. You see this still going on all over the world. Child prostitutes. And somewhere, somehow she has met Jesus. And she was so deep into Egypt that her dream would, shut, would probably be our nightmare. And Jesus, as he always did, did when he, you were in his presence, that was enough to change your life because for the first time in her life she would have met a man who didn't want her or use her or abuse her in a culture that was very chauvinistic anyway. Maybe that's the background. And Jesus is invited by Simon to have dinner with him. Because Simon likes to invite anybody who's on the circuit. His friends enjoy the entertainment and it makes him look good. And Jesus is seated or reclining to eat and so reclining, the woman comes in because people seem to wander in and out of homes there and stands behind him and starts weeping and she's carrying this jar and she's just overcome. I bet you she didn't get to stand behind Jesus' feet without catching his eye and getting a smile from him. She certainly wasn't feeling pushed away by him. And Jesus just allows her to do what she's doing, which is pouring out her heart. She's not eloquent. She doesn't know what to say. But her heart is broken. It's broken open. This might well be Mary who spent the rest of her life following him. And she just expresses her gratitude in a very visible, 
messy, embarrassing way. And Jesus looks around, he looks at Simon, he doesn't say anything, but Simon's thinking, does he know who's touching him right now? Does he, she's a slut. Out, out of content, contempt in his mind. And that's when Jesus tells the story and he says, two people owe money, one owes five dollars, the other owes a thousand. Who do you think loves the one who forgave them their debt? Well, the, the greater the debt, the more you would be appreciative. Of course, says Simon. And then Jesus focuses on, in on Simon and just says, you know Simon, I came to your house and it's a courtesy to wash my feet, but you didn't. You haven't done any of the things that this, this woman has done. And really ends up by saying to the woman, you are forgiven, publicly acknowledging her. No embarrassment to be associated with her. And says to Simon, you know Simon, the problem with you is, I mean you invited me to your house, you gave me a meal, you did what you wanted to do and you did it on your terms. But one guy who was speaking, Mark Buchanan this week, happened to turn on this phrase, passage too and, and just it settled on one phrase and he says the first thing that si Jesus said to the, uh, Simon was do you see this woman? And his comment was I don't think Simon had seen anybody for a long time. And I think in that is what God is encouraging us to be and where we have to live in order to become. It's not in your head, it's in your heart. We will only worship, we will only love to the degree that we know ourselves to be forgiven and to know ourselves to be loved. We can have Jesus in our lives, we can have Bible studies, we can have him around. So did Simon. But he never touches our hearts. And so Simon's heart is full of judgment, full of convenience, full of criticism, full of observing others and making comments and thinking in his head all kinds of stuff. I think Jesus wants to say two things to us. The one is, we are all that woman and we're all, that, we're all Simon. But I really do believe he wants to say to you and to me that I see you. I see you. I see you before you came into that home. I see you where you are. And I love you as much as I love that woman before she knew me or saw me. There's some of us who know about Jesus and Jesus is wanting our hearts because he wants to transform us. And some of us try and calculate what transformation looks like. We try and work it all out and control it. And we never get transformed, we just get hardened. 
And Jesus says to us, why don't you just come to me and let me lead you into the transformation that you're trying to work out. It starts with me loving you. Period. Loving you whether you like it or not. The only way we are going to live lives that are, are fun and free and walking in a much more joyful expression of Christianity is when we have known Jesus, accept us, receive us as we are with our hearts, not our heads. That kind of love. And it's ours today. As I say, that woman might well have been Mary who ended up following Jesus for the rest of her life. What happened, very quickly, when Jesus meets an individual, his power is present to bring about change. We cannot change without his spirit, his power. Some of us are exhausted. We're disillusioned. We have polite exteriors and inside we are struggling like heck. It's usually called pride. And Jesus just says, you don't have to do that. Come to me and let me love you into a place of change. It's very cool. We talked about the presence of God. The presence of God. And we've talked about that a lot here. And the thing that really struck me this week also was the presence of God is most powerfully present when our relationships are good. In other words, if I want to know God's presence in my life, I need to allow Him to bring presence into my relationships. I can't say that I love God and have issues with you. And that's why Jesus said, if you really want to know the love of God, if the love of God is truly in your heart, look at your relationships. And I believe one of the things that God is also saying to us is that we can try and self-manage our character growth, but it's going to take forever. We need to step into obedience to Him in our relationships. If we have issues, then let's let those rise up. God is rising things up in our hearts when we, in our relationships where there are issues. He's rising them up to say, I want you to deal with this. And the worst thing you can do is I'm saying I'm struggling. An end to blame and a beginning of taking responsibility. And we will see the presence of God like we've never seen Him before. How can you say, I love God? How can you worship when you don't share with one another. It's not a rebuke. I'm not saying this is nothing about a rebuke. It's just about it's a process, it's a lifestyle. The churches are shallow and superficial because as soon as relationships get tested, we run away. And we don't walk into the inheritance that is ours, but God deals in communities. Individuals don't get into the promised land, they come in groups. Because we need one another for refining. And how do you get passion? 
It's real simple. Passion comes out of the heart. And passion for the Lord comes out of meeting the Lord. You can't fake the love of Jesus. If I'm loved by Jesus, that will release love for Jesus. So if you want passion, open your heart to Jesus. And say, Lord, will you melt my heart? Will Will you meet me where... Some of us don't even know how to give our hearts to him. That's why soaking prayer and being prayed for is useful. Because you can go and say, just Lord, please, I want to know more passion in my life for you. And he says, cool, and just pray for the Holy Spirit to do that. Well, I don't understand what he's doing. Don't worry about that. Just open your heart. Relinquish control and allow Jesus to walk, walk alongside you and in you. And out of all of that comes purpose. With a, that woman never went back. I would guarantee that. Her life was changed. She had a new purpose, she had a new passion, she had a new power, she had a new presence because of what Jesus had done by loving her. She didn't have to go to college. Her heart was changed. And I believe God's saying desperately to the church, I really appreciate your thoughts, but I love your hearts. So, that's the invitation. The invitation is that Jesus is present for us and he's inviting us to follow into all that he has for us. I got an email this week. Uh, It's kind of the word of the week for me, but I think it's actually probably going to be the word of the year. It was very cool. I I, I just was responding to something and I got this email and they signed it off and they signed it off, Shine. I think that was very cool. You're going to get emails from me, Shine. (laughs) and I mean it it really really struck me it struck me so strongly I just thought what a cool uh, proclamation the proclamation was uh, shine for him it's not negative it's not just survive it's shine so I think we have this enormous invitation to continue this encouragement to grow as a church. To grow in terms of sharing the love of God and to share the power of Jesus. And it's entirely up to each one of us as to how we walk into that. But I think it really is very simple. It's not about beating ourselves up. It's about actually just responding to a love relationship with Jesus. And it's about sharing that with one another and encouraging one another to walk into that. And out of that, everything else will flow. Don't you think? Head stand. Presence, power, passion and purpose. If you saw yourself, you imagined yourself between Egypt and the promised land, where do you think you would be today? What is your thought life like? What is your attitude like? What is your relationship with Jesus like? Is it a slave? Or are you running free? Is it in transition? And what do you want? What are your dreams? 
Is the time set aside for Jesus a drudgery or is it a pleasure? Is it a necessity or is it an obligation? Is it for appearances like with Simon or is it out of the passion of a heart that knows that without him I'd be nothing? Like the woman who wept. We don't have to wait until tomorrow. We can say, Jesus, this is where I am right now. And some of us, I'd encourage us to bring our minds to God and say, Father, I'm a lot like Simon. I watch others and I criticize others in my head. But my heart has become hard. I don't like emotional expressions other than my emotional expression, which is hard, resistant, and and nothing shows. It's a very emotional expression. And you need to repent of that. You need to repent of pride, of self-sufficiency. And whatever else God brings before you, you just bring it to His cross and say, Lord, forgive me. What goes on in our hearts is the thermometer of our lives. We can talk our way through everything, but our hearts will show us truth. And God's meeting our hearts right now and saying, I'm here for you. We're going to do some business. And there's stuff I want you to let go of and the attitudes I want you to give to me as I invite you to come with me deeper. I love you passionately. This is not about my lack of love for you. This is about my setting captives free when they don't even know they're captives. So what we're doing is just saying, Lord, all the things I'm aware of, I'm just bringing before you. That's all we're doing. And we're kind of getting our hands and hearts free so we can receive. And then in a posture of receiving, just invite the Lord to fill you with His Spirit, with His love, with His presence. To make real in you what is not real for you now. It might be real in truth in terms of words, but it's not real in your heart in a way that... Dream dreams with Him right now. I'm going to put this uh, lectern back and then we're going to sing a few songs as part of receiving the love of the Lord Jesus. And you step into that. I can't do it for you, but can invite you to join me. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, for you to be released among us, that the words that we've heard will become real in our hearts as we give you permission. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray.